0: Well, we've come to the end of our time through Exodus, though it's not quite the end of the book. It's Exodus 34, beginning in verse 10. And the scene is that uh, God and Moses now have, after the first set of commandments, have been uh, broken. uh, Now there's a new set of tablets. And the Lord uh, said to him, I'm making a covenant with you this day. And I will do things uh, that and wonders that no other nation has seen, and among your people, they will see the awesome work that the Lord will do for you. Obey the commandments I'm giving you this day, and I will drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Do not make a treaty with the people in the land where you are going are they will be a trap and will ensnare you. Do not worship other gods, but tear down their altars and smash their sacred stones and cut down their Asherah poles and worship only the do not worship other gods for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Do not make a treaty. With the people in the land for they will prostitute themselves and then invite you to their sacrifices to their God to come and to eat with them. And then you will choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons and they will prostitute themselves in the worship of other gods and they will lead your sons to do the same. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Well, perhaps, you know, through personal experience or you've just observed that this is the time of year for graduations and commencement exercises and commencement speeches of all kinds. One of my favorite commencement speeches still remains to the comedian John Stewart's commencement address. To William and Mary um, in 2004 he was a graduate in the class of 1984 and what he said is I know it's it's our job it's each generation's job to give back to you a world that was better than the world that we inherited but I have to tell you we messed up the world is broken and I have a confession to make he said we broke it. And if your generation could do anything at all to fix it, perhaps you will become the next greatest generation. You know, there was a lot of truth to what the comedian said. The world is broken. But what's not true is it didn't just break with my generation. It has been broken for generation after generation all the way back to Genesis. The truth is the world is broken. But there's a deeper truth. That's not the world that God intends. We've talked about before the vision that God has for the world is a vision of shalom, which is everything working together in peace and beauty and harmony and justice, just as God originally intended. That's what God wants. Another way to think of that, perhaps metaphorically, might be the term God wants for us a promised land. God wants for us to live in a world that operates the way that God has made it. But our story today teaches us another truth about the promised land, and that's this. The promised land, even when God gives it to us and does the work to provide it for us and drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites, that land is still occupied. Did you notice that this morning? God said, I'm going to drive them out, but by the way, don't make treaties with them. And tear down their altars and, and their Asherah poles. So they're not a temptation to you. It's interesting to me that God does the heavy lifting here, but still leaves some things undone. There there is always a temptation. There are always obstacles to us having the world that God intended. Now, I don't know exactly why God did it like that. My best guess would have to come from uh, the late Dallas Willard, who unfortunately passed away about a week ago. Dallas Willard said that he believed that what God wants are what any of us wants for our children. God wants grown-up children. And perhaps you know, if you give your children everything and they never have to participate in the shaping of anything that they receive, they're not ready to receive it. That there is a certain maturing that comes in the participation in the process of shaping our world and shaping our lives. And maybe that's what God's after. But for whatever reasons, there are still obstacles in the land. Hittites and Canaanites and Jebusites and Perizzites, they're still there. Even Jesus, baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and we celebrate the Holy Spirit's presence here at Pentecost Day. Holy Spirit comes upon him, Jesus hears the marvelous words that he is a true son of God, who God takes delight in. And then immediately, Jesus ends up in the wilderness and is tested. There's always temptations, tests and obstacles that stand between us and the world that God has in mind for us. That's just how things go. And by the way, God's prediction turned out to be exactly right. If you follow along the story after a while, a lot of the Israelites begin to sacrifice their own children to Baal, to a false God, and Baal's consort is a woman goddess um, Asherah. And they erect an Asherah pole in the temple itself by Second Kings chapter 21. God knew what would happen if they didn't participate the way God called them to. And it, it did happen. But it reminds me that the large truth is that the world is not as God intended. And God intends for us, though, is the second truth to participate in fixing that world. Our our spiritual uh, forebears. The Jews knew this. They had a phrase for it called tikkun olam, which is to mend or fix that which is broken. And they saw one of the reasons that God put them on this planet was to begin to help things run in alignment with God's will. In other words, to help make heaven come down to earth, to make earth more look like heaven. They had a job to do to cooperate with God in bringing that together. world is broken. My generation didn't help it perhaps but it is the goal of my generation and every generation that we are to work with God toward making this the world that God has in mind but what struck me as I thought about this was the same thing that's true of the world is actually true of my own life my life's been broken for quite a while my life doesn't exactly run the way that God intended perhaps the best description I've ever read of this came from John Ortberg Presbyterian pastor in California wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. And this is the opening sentence of his book. He says, I'm disappointed in myself. And and he says, not so much for the things that I've done, but for the person I've become and who I've not become. He said, now, some of the disappointment is superficial. He said, I wish I had a more manly physique or was better fixing cars. Some of it, he said... Is a little neurotic, like I worry way too much about what other people think of me. He says some of it is just self-absorption. He said, I'll go to a reunion of high school or college and, and find that I want to tell something more than what they've told. That I want to have done more than what they did as they talked about it. And then he said, and the disappointment gets deeper still when I look at myself as a husband or father. And he said, and I think about the kind of father I want to be to my uh, son and daughters. And said, I remember that two of my children were fighting today. And, and, and I just went in and broke it up. didn't take the time to teach them what was happening and why and how they could solve it. But just wanted them quiet down because, quite frankly, I didn't have the energy to give them he said, I thought about the kind of father I want to be chasing fireflies and taking long walks and spending this time and energy with my kids, and I realize how little they get of me. And then he goes on a couple paragraphs further and says, And I'm disappointed that I still love God so little and sin so much. I've never quite read such a frank description of what life looks like when it's broken. And these are the good people. These are the pastors. And I share with him that self-disappointment. See, the reality is, I love Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a part of my life. But because of that, everything didn't just disappear. All my issues were not instantly solved. Even though I came into the promised land, there were still Amorites and Hittites and Canaanites. They're still there. They're still there. God is not just going to fix us in God's power without any effort on our part. We will not become the people that God has in mind for us to become without cooperating with God's spirit in the matter. And our world will not become the world that God has in mind for it to become until God's people cooperate with God in being the kind of people that God needs in this world. Let me say it another way. As long as I'm this broken the world is bound to remain broken. So what I thought about this morning is just to tell you the truth. And that is that when I look at my life, I've made some treaties. I've made some treaties with some things in there that really don't need to be there. Just in order to get by. One of the treaties I've made is with, with fear of rejection. And, and because fear of rejection lives in my land and I don't want to drive it out, I just make a deal. And I tell fear, I say, look, I won't attempt anything too big So I won't fail too spectacularly, so people won't notice me, so I won't be ashamed and I'll just keep my life on a nice, even achievable keel. I won't draw undue attention to myself and therefore I make a deal with fear. But it never really works. I'll draw attention to myself. It's not for good things, then sometimes for bad things. We're coming back um, uh from the baptism and I walk over here and some, of you know, I keep cups of water by by my uh, uh, bulletin and I just knocked two cups of water onto our music director and the baptism certificates for the next service. And so Pastor Matt, always quick to observe, said, perhaps we need a sign that says splash zone. Yeah, today with the baptisms and everything, I don't want to make any big mistakes. So I make this treaty to play small, and it backfires anyway. I made a treaty with guilt. I made a treaty with guilt that says, I'll leave, I'll leave you in the land long enough just to kind of keep me in line if you won't bother me too much. And I've made treaties with worry. I've made treaties with worry and anxiety and said, all right, you can stay. And I'll figure out how to live with you. And I'll put the pillows on the floor so if I fall it won't hurt too badly. And I realize the trees that I've made in my life make me not the person God has called me to be. Because I believe God has called me, as I've shared with some of you before, to be a person who lives free of guilt. Not that I have no guilt, but that I don't am not run by guilt. Free of fear in the presence. And free from the effects of anxiety in the future. I want to be free to do something I haven't done before. To make a new mistake. To make maybe something new that good that happens. But I can't when I have those treaties. And so what I'm learning from this scripture is there are some things that have got to be torn down. And that for whatever reasons God is not going to tear them down for me without my assistance. Holy Spirit has driven out a lot that's in my life. But there's still some stuff that needs to be driven out. And God says, here, I'll do my part. You come along beside me, you do your part. I think that's God how, how God intends it to work in my life. I think that's how God intends it to work in Israel and to work in the kingdom for people work in the kingdom of God. There are some things that only God can do and we let God do them. And there are some things God calls us to participate in with our gifts and our talents and our energy and we do that. You see, we've come to the book, end of the book of Exodus, at least as we're going through it. And one of the things you'll notice about Exodus, and this is pointed out to me by a rabbinical scholar uh, a while back, is there are some pretty interesting pairings in Genesis. There's a pairing of the, the, the tablets. Remember, there's the Ten Commandments God gives to Moses. God breaks them, so there has to be a new set of, of uh, tablets. Then there's a battle, major battle at the Red Sea. And the Israelites... Are victorious over Pharaoh, and they escape. But as soon as they escape, there's another battle with the Amalekites. And then there's a tent or a covering, a cloud over the people when they're on Mount Sinai. And then toward the end of Exodus, which we won't get to, God tells the people, use your talents and gifts and make a tent, a tabernacle. And here's one thing you notice when you look at that, that Exodus seems to have two major themes. The first major theme is that God will do for us what only God can do so the first set of uh, tablets, first two tablets who wrote the Ten Commandments? Anybody? whose signatures on the first two tablets? that's God's own writing, Moses breaks them, two more commandments come to God whose signature is on that? Moses he has to write them there's a battle at the Red Sea what do the people do? nothing God fights the whole battle for them And drowns the Pharaoh's soldiers and they escape. But the Amalekites, who has to fight? The people have to fight. Remember Moses, we talked about that, lifts up his arms. And and the people participate in the battle. Then there's this covering. First time the covering is a cloud of God's presence. Just rolls in, shows up. The second time God says, you make this covering and here's the material you use and here's the dimensions that you use. Do you see what's going on here? One of the major themes of Exodus is God will do for you and in your life and in our world things only God can do. But then God leaves some things for us to do. We have to write the tablets. We have to fight the battle. We have to build the covering. That's how it works. We go all the way through Exodus to learn the power of God. And to learn the importance of people who will use their talents, energies, and work alongside God to create the people in the world that God has in mind. And it won't come easily. It won't come quickly. But it is coming. And it will come. There was a great rabbi shortly after the time of Jesus, and this is what he said. He said that it is not our job to finish the work or complete the work that God has given us. In other words, heaven's probably not going to completely come to earth during our lifetime. But, he said, it is also not our job to not do it. We are not, he said, free to desist from the work. The world will change. People will change. When God's Spirit does what only God's Spirit can do, and people like you and me cooperate and work alongside that spirit.